0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're hanging out after hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Well, good evening. Gamecock fans everywhere. Um, excited to be back with y'all here, um, here Monday night live on YouTube. Um, it's always fun to, to do this show and uh, really appreciate everybody hopping in here to have, um, to have a good Gamecock chat. Um, really basketball is, and specifically men's basketball, is what everybody in Gamecock land is talking about right now. Um, we're going to talk a lot about it, a lot about it here um, tonight. Gamecocks had a, had a pretty big win um, on the road at Georgia um, this past weekend on Saturday. It was a revenge game. Uh, we all remember the South Carolina-Georgia game at Colonial Life Arena early, early on in SEC play and just how difficult of a game it was to watch. Um, Gamecocks had, I think they had an 8 or 10 point lead in that game and then something just flipped at the like 11 to 12 minute mark of that game and South Carolina couldn't make free throws. Georgia made a ton of free throws and the refs were just calling fouls nonstop. I think that there were like 48 fouls called in a 40 minute basketball game when South Carolina and Georgia played um, earlier this season. And South Carolina lost that game by five points. Uh, Gamecocks only have three losses on the season. Um, the one against Clemson at Clemson, five point loss. Um, the, the night of the Gamecocks had a lead on the road against Alabama. Um, at halftime, and the Gamecock offense just fell apart, and just had one of those one of those nights where nothing could go right in the second half, and then the five point loss to Georgia um, just a couple weeks ago. So revenge game for the Gamecocks. It was at Stedman Coliseum, um, so it was a road game for the for the Gamecocks. And look, Gamecocks found a way, and they got it done. Um, you know, when I look at these games, you know, I'm always talking about you know, breaking this game into segments, whether it's you know, each media timeout, you know, what happened before and what's the situation at the timeout? Because that's what the coaches are talking about during those media timeouts. Or it's it's looking at you know the game in 10-minute segments. So in this game against Georgia on Saturday, if you if you break it out by those 10-minute segments, uh, Georgia was winning 25 to 16 at the end of the first 10-minute segment, and they were hitting everything. I think Georgia hit seven of their first 10 three-pointers. Um, Gamecocks were making everything too, and and there was a lot of times where, you know, Gamecocks didn't do anything wrong on defense. Georgia just hit shots, but then the game started to turn in that little second ten minute period of the first half, and the Gamecocks outscored the Bulldogs um twenty two to fifteen to make it a two point halftime deficit, and you know, I think the Gamecocks were at fifty three percent from field goal percentage wise um at halftime, and Georgia was you know less than that, but they made seven or eight threes in the first half. And and that was the difference. And I was, I was texting in a group chat and we were just kind of talking about how, look, if you're down by two points after you shot 53% from the field, had 16 makes and had 16 assists, and you're only down by two points, that just means that you played some daggum good basketball. And at the end of the first half, the score was 40 to 38 Georgia Bulldogs. Well, the second half was all South Carolina. Georgia didn't hit a single three pointer in the second half. Only scored twenty, what was it, twenty two points in the second half. Uh, Gamecocks won seventy two to sixty two, so they got another double digit road victory in the SEC, which is never easy to do. Um, So, just looking at the game, you can kind of see where the Gamecocks turned it on. I mean, I I love Kim Palm, and you know, South Carolina's largest lead in the game was seventy one to fifty nine with a minute twenty left in the game. But their minimum win probability, according to Ken Palm, was 20.7%. And that's when the Gamecocks trailed 29-19 with eight minutes to go in the first half. So uh, Gamecocks outscored Georgia by eight points, that last eight-minute stretch run. And if you think about the segments I talk about, you know, you had a timeout around eight minutes. You had a timeout around four minutes. And South Carolina began to, to make the adjustments. Uh, second half, Gamecocks just played their offense. I um, mean, look at the, you look at the box score here. Uh, the Gamecocks were 22 of 36 from the two-point field goal range, so 61%. They were 7 of 10 from, the, or 7 of 20 from the three-point line for 35%, 7 of 11 from the free-throw line, um, had 34 rebounds to Georgia's 28, had 25 assists, which is a, an absurd, absurd number, You know, 25 assists on 29 shots. Is something that you don't see very often. The Gamecocks limited their turnovers; um, only had nine turnovers in the game. Had five steals on their on the defensive end. Um, personal fouls. We talked about how it was different in you know the first game at Colonial Life Arena. There were a total of twenty four fouls called. So I think somebody at the SEC offices heard the got the memo and heard the complaints. Probably from both teams. Probably more from South Carolina though. And the referees really let. Um, both teams play in this game and if you let South Carolina play their brand of offense and their brand of defense it's going to be really hard to beat them so Gamecocks now are 19-3 and overall seven and two on the in on the season so far in SEC play and they've surpassed their win total from last year um, with only 22 games played this season so I was I was optimistic about the Gamecocks' chances, but even I did not see a 19 and three record at this point. I thought that the Gamecocks would probably be around 500 in SEC play. Um, right now they're seven and two, so um, much farther ahead than where I thought they would be. And when you look at at the game in particular against Georgia, um, Ken Palm does this thing where he, he gives you an MVP of the game, and Colin Murray Boyles was the MVP of the game. But I could have had I could have made an argument for Talon Cooper or um, Josh Gray to be MVP of the game. Talon finished with 10 points and eight assists, really controlled the game yet again um, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, Three of four from the three-point line for Talon, and all of them were timely timely made threes. Uh, You look at (laughs) Josh Gray. Oh, my gosh. 18 minutes played, and he had, what was it, 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, two turnovers, two steals, only one personal foul in 27 minutes. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I need to go back. That was Colin Murray Boyle, um, who was the MVP. So Colin Murray Boyle played 27 minutes, 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, two turnovers, two steals, and one foul. Uh, that kid is just growing up before our eyes. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying in in sports that, you know, about the halfway point of the season, freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. And, and Colin Murray Boyles is definitely not playing like your typical freshman. And I, I guarantee you if there was a way to re-rank these kids um, at this point in the season, when you look at where they were as high school prospects, um, Colin Murray Boyles would be a five-star, um, just a diamond in the rough. I hate that he had this season kind of cut short at the beginning when he got mono. But, I mean, you, you look at that game against Clemson, which is the first game that Colin Murray Boyles is able to come back and play. And. He was sped up. He had some bad turnovers in the game, but you saw his just oozing potential. And, and what he's doing right now is nothing short of, of phenomenal, in my opinion. Josh Gray, 18 points, 15 rebounds, or 15, 18 minutes, uh 15 points and eight rebounds. Uh again, Josh Gray just it's like the light just flipped on for him. And someone told him that, you know, you are big, you are tall, you are strong, you are athletic. Um, get up there and just dunk everything that you can and He's done that. He's done that. I I was commenting in that same group chat with a couple of my friends that, you know, Josh Gray looks different from a physical standpoint than he did at Garden and Black Madness. He might have been somebody that was playing himself into shape as the season wore on. And I know from being around college basketball that, you know, when you're not playing, you know, over 15 minutes in a game or over 10 minutes in a game, you know, one of the things that you are doing is conditioning. Um, when the guys that played in the game not, don't necessarily have to do it as much because they just got their conditioning in through through the course of the game, I think that he's probably gotten us in some better shape because of that kind of post game conditioning when he wasn't playing that much. Probably motivated him uh, a little bit as well. And I can't say enough about you know how Lamont has coached him, how his teammates have lifted him up, and right now Josh Gray has become. Not a focal point of the offense, but a, a vital, vital piece of the offense. So, really happy for him. BJ Mack didn't really have his best game against Georgia. I think he still finished with what? Um, BJ had nine points, um, only had one rebound. It really wasn't his day. And it, it kind of wasn't his day either against Georgia the first time they played. Georgia's a really physical defense, and they have that one like seven foot one, seven foot two guy that's athletic and strong and agile and he kind of gives B.J. Mack fits when he just puts his hand straight up in the air, and, and B.J. has nowhere to go with the ball. He just doesn't have that above-the-room athleticism. So it was a game where it was a Colin Murray-Boyles game and a Josh Gray game down low. Uh, Michi Johnson got into double figures as well with 11 points, kind of got back on track from a three-point line, uh, three of five from long distance, 60%. Um, when, when you have Talon and Michi combining for six three-pointers in the game with the other guys on, on the team that can, that can shoot the three-ball, um, South Carolina could have been much better you know, in this game as well. I mean, if you get up to like 40% from three-point line, which is hard to do, but you know, Gamecocks could have you know opened this up even more than they did if they hadn't fallen behind by 10 points early in the game. So, obviously, Gamecocks got that win um, you know, back-to-back road wins last week road wins in the sec are hard to do and when you when you beat a tennessee on the road and you come back and beat georgia by double digits a team that you lost to earlier in the season i guess the ap voters started to pay attention because the big news right now in college basketball really espn even in their weekly power rankings um they're the author of that article has had the south Carolina gamecocks as the team of the week back-to-back weeks so they're getting a lot of positive publicity and positive press throughout the country by the national media guys, which is something that, you know, hasn't happened in a long time for the Gamecocks. And, you know, you know, the whole rank us cowards thing where the Gamecocks should have been ranked last week. They really should have been ranked last week, but they weren't Uh, 26th in the AP poll Um, this week, South Carolina made a really big jump um, going from 26th in the, in the poll, which, you know, not a top 25 team, but the first team out of the poll, um, according to votes, South Carolina jumped all the way up to 15th in the country. And, you know, after the Georgia game, there were some threads on the There was at least one thread on the Big Spur that was kind of predicting where the Gamecocks would fall on the poll. I thought they would probably be around – my prediction was 14th. I think the Gamecocks, you know, might be playing better, and I have data to show that the Gamecocks are playing better than um, the 14th best team in the country right now. But um, with the entire body of work and – you know the Gamecocks with three losses and having to kind of climb from the the cellar, the seller of college basketball, literally being predicted to finish last in the SEC by the by the the SEC media. <clears throat> they they were going to have to do something special to get ranked, and and I'm, I'm so proud of this team, and I'm so happy for this team to to get the credit that they deserve, being 15th in the AP poll, uh, coaches poll 20th in the country. Um, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I don't put a heck of a lot of stock into the coaches poll. Um, coaches poll is isn't the head coaches in the country that are filling this out. There's a director of basketball operations, you know, a DOPS guy. It might be someone on the support staff, but these coaches are not, you know, putting their ballot in um, at at all around the country. They have way too much to do as far as practice, game planning, preparing for practice, preparing for games, team meetings, all of that. Like these coaches aren't are not ranking South Carolina 20th in the country, and and you'll often see too that. You know the, the coaches' poll especially, and the AP poll too. Um, what you see is you know teams are really slow to get credit, and the teams that have been traditionally kind of blue bloods tend to stay in the rankings longer and get more um, positive momentum after wins and losses because teams are looking at at their um, at their records and what they've done this week. People are paying attention to Duke every week; they're not paying attention to South Carolina every week, and unfortunately, that's just you know a fact of life in college basketball. Um, I did see some stuff and we'll talk plenty, plenty of bracketology here in a little bit. Um, CBS, CBS sports had the Gamecocks. I believe, um, their bracketologist, uh, Jerry Palm is a three seed, um, and his projected bracket that was released today. I can make a very good case that South Carolina should be a three seed. Absolutely. In the realm, realm of possibility with body of work so far this year, um, Gamecocks are obviously there. And, um, the computer metrics take a little bit of time, and the way the Gamecocks play basketball, the Gamecocks aren't trying to beat teams by twenty or thirty points on a routine basis. They're trying to win the game first and first and foremost every single time. But oftentimes, the way the Gamecocks play play basketball and the way they wear their opponents down, um, it does lead to you know, ten plus ten plus point victories. But um, I think that last I saw, um, last I saw it, I think it was. Can't remember who t- who said it. it might have been, might have been Mike Morgan, or might have been on the broadcast. I don't remember. Um, but Joe Lenardi said the Gamecocks would be at least a six seed at worst um, if they were able to beat. Hold on to beat Georgia. Uh, Gamecocks. I, w- I would probably have the Gamecocks in that three to three to five seed range right now. If I was doing it, I could make a case for for any of that. Um, you know, any of those seeds to be to be in play for the Gamecocks. Gamecocks, you know, can't wrestle on their laurels though. Um, you look at the rest of the season. The Gamecocks, like we talked about, are nineteen and three, seven and two in the SEC. Uh, right now, this, this, you know, Gamecock fans are always slow for this. They're always waiting for the other shoe to drop and just say, one game at a time, or you know, what can? How many games can we possibly lose to stay in the NCAA tournament or, or be in the NCAA tournament? Um, you know, right now at 19-3 and three and 7-2, and two, they have five home games left. They have four road games. Uh, this week is, is pretty good to the Gamecocks. Obviously, there's a big game tomorrow night um, at Colonial Life Arena. I will be there. Um, that is a quad two game against Ole Miss. And then um, this weekend, the Gamecocks host Vanderbilt on Saturday, which is a quad four game. So the Gamecocks actually have um, three of their next five games and three of their next four games at home. Um, when you look at that schedule, it's February 6th, at home against Ole Miss, February tenth. Home against Vanderbilt on the road on Valentine's Day um, at Auburn, and then on February seventeenth they will host the LSU Tigers at Colonial Life Arena. So, just looking at this right now, and Gamecocks have five more quad one games, two more quad two games, um, one more quad three, and one more quad four. Um, two of those quad one games are against quad one, a opponents, which means the top half of, um, of quad one. Those are, you know, really, really good opportunities for South Carolina to um, get more seed bump, seed bump line wins. So when I say seed bump, I mean, if they were a six seed in Joe Lenardi's bracket and they get a quad one, a win, they're probably going to be a four or five seed. That, that That's a big enough jump, but when it comes to what Gamecock fans need to need to hope for for South Carolina basketball as we kind of finish out the season, obviously every team that's been on the Gamecock schedule so far, you want them to win their games. Um, you, you want you want that to happen. The Gamecocks play Ole Miss twice the rest of the way, and then um, they have a couple other teams they play twice the season. Anytime you play a team twice, you really want that team to be good because it just gives you more opportunities um, to win to win games. But on top of that, South Carolina fans just need to continue to pull for the Gamecocks and have fun with this. I mean, this is a, now a ride of, you know, not are the Gamecocks going to make the NCAA tournament, but how high can they go? Uh, right now, when you look at it, like really got to avoid, you know, losing any quad three or quad four games. There's only two of them left. Um, and of those two games, both of those games are at home. So... um so both those, both those games are at home. That's a good thing for the Gamecocks. Um, can't drop them. Absolutely can't drop them. You don't want to give a reason for the selection committee to, to drop you a seed line. But um, just some quick notes for you. And I found this I found this pretty interesting. According to BartTorvik.com, which is, you know, an advanced analytics site. I know what people think about the metrics, but I, I think it's pretty valuable information. Um, according to Bart Torvik, the Gamecocks opened the season ranked, or, or ranked 111th in his rating system. Uh, currently, the Gamecocks are ranked 41st in his rating system, so they're they're getting big, big bumps. I mean, that that's a jump of, you know, 60, 70, <laughs> 70 spots. So, you know, if you if you want to hate on the metrics, you know, appreciate Bart Torvik. But what was really interesting is since January 1st, so you're only counting games from January 1st until today, or pretty much through yesterday, which was February 4th. He has the Gamecocks ranked as the 26th best team in the country. Now, obviously, you're talking about essentially a month and four days worth of basketball, so it's a small sample size. But if you were to go back and look from January 17th, and the reason I picked that date was just because it was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday on the calendar, and you know you usually have a Tuesday, Wednesday game for the Gamecocks, and then a Saturday game. Uh, The Gamecocks are actually ranked eighth in the country according to Bart Torvik since January 17th. And yeah, it's a small sample size, but you know when you talk about those early season non-conference games that are kind of hurting the Gamecocks, where you know they beat Charleston Southern by like four or five points, they they didn't really stretch out wins that they that could have been thirty point wins. When you just look at the metrics since January seventeenth, it says the Gamecocks are the eighth best team in the country, which I think, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so, Gamecocks are Gamecocks are doing well. I, I see we got some stuff in the chat box here. I'm going to completely ignore um, Jamie Newton. Uh, if you guys want to try and get five grand from him, go ahead. <laughs> um, I see that um, Jesse Carter on Facebook. Um, I think these are bots y'all. Um, he says alive. So happy for you, Jesse, Jamie. You know, if you want to throw five grand my way, go ahead. Um, let's see. Uh, so Jay Diz says, you know, all, po- all polls aren't great because it does help being a top 25 team. Um, yeah. And Lamont said it and, you know, you talk to a lot of these national media folks and you know, especially the, the guys on the SEC network. And, and Mike Morgan's awesome. And I love Mike to death. And he talks about the polls don't matter. And he's a media member. But, you know, Lamont Pierce did say that he knows how the selection committee works. And it's important to have, you know, a top 25 number by your name as often as possible, because these, these selection committee folks, when they're not at the summit or they're not, you know, you know, see, you know bracketing the bracket, they're oftentimes not looking at every division one game in the country every single day. They might just scan the top 25 results. And the more that they see South Carolina there, the more South Carolina gets ingrained into their mind to take a deeper look at them. So, um, yeah, the polls aren't fun. I, I don't really like college football polls. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that in any sport you should have a poll until at least six, you know, in college football, I would say, you know, week four, week five, week, week six, kind of like what they do with the college football Um, Selection committee and the playoff stuff that they show on the playoff rankings. I think that's probably a good time to actually start caring about it. Um, in college basketball, I really don't think that you should have a poll until about six weeks into the season because, undoubtedly, you have a team like Michigan State, and I'm picking on them because they're recent. Syracuse has been another team like that that you know has been a top twenty-five team that's lost to a nobody, and you know they get dinged a little bit, but they don't actually fall out of the rankings. And then they win two or three games and they they crawl back up because these, these media members are creatures of habit. I think that, you know, you really shouldn't have a college basketball poll until about six weeks are are in the books and you have some, some marquee non-conference games, and you kind of see how teams are playing against their, their opponents in the non-con. So I think that's when, you know, the polls should start, but the, the dirty little secret about the media and these preseason polls and the week one poll and the week two poll is they generate a lot of clicks and a lot of conversation. And that's what these media members, um, won't. Um, Uh, K Sean Brunson says, do you think we have a chance to win the SEC? I absolutely think that the Gamecocks have a chance to win the SEC. They're only one game back right now. And you look, they have five games at home, four games on the road. And, you know, yeah. Is it difficult that you have five quad one games and two quad two games? So seven of your next seven of your last nine games are against quad one and quad two opponents. Yeah, that's hard, but the Gamecocks have proven that they can beat those, those types of teams. And, you know, After the break here in a little bit, I'll, I'll kind of break down why I, I do feel that way. But, yeah, the Gamecocks are a game out, and they still – I think – who is – let me look that up really quick. I think that Auburn – I think Auburn's at the top of the SEC standings. Let me look that up for you. Um, and I guarantee you Phil will beat me to it. He always beats me to it. Uh, but, yeah, looking at the SEC right now, um, Alabama is 8-1 and one in the league. South Carolina is 7-2 in the league. Um, Auburn seven and two, and Tennessee six and two. Then you have some teams that have five wins: um, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Florida, those types of teams. But <clears throat> you're really seeing a separation now, and yeah, you know, I think that this, this SEC race probably comes down to Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, and Tennessee. Uh, Gamecocks unfortunately do not have an opportunity to um, face Alabama again this year, but they do play Auburn on the road. They play Tennessee at home. Um, they got Ole Miss twice. They've already beat Kentucky once this year. Kentucky's kind of in scramble mode right now, and then they have the Florida Gators um, also at home. So when you look at the teams the Gamecocks are kind of surrounded by in the in the SEC standings, uh, yeah, yeah, start start thinking about an SEC championship because it, it's a realistic possibility with the way the team's playing right now. Uh, Jay Diz says the football team beat UCF. Their only loss of the season at UCF. And dropped two spots in the A-P poles. Yeah, the AP poles are, are pretty garbage. Um, Bryant said that's the largest microphone I've ever seen. Yeah, it's actually not that big. Um, it's got this little um, I don't know, it's got like a boom boom arm and this thing's supposed to help calibrate the sound. Um yeah, I've had this, I've had this for a couple of years now. It's not my first podcast rodeo. Uh, but I, I do like the mic. I mean, the whole setup was like, I think like $225 from from Best Buy a couple of years back, but I love it. Um, Jay Diz says it shouldn't matter where you start. That's exactly why polls are biased. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jesse Carter says, um, Gamecock nation all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Got a pull for the Gamecocks and cynical Aries. Hello, Matt and all go Gamecocks. Yeah. Um, how are you doing tonight? Cynical Aries. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. I'm all popping in and being a part of the show tonight. Um, Let's, um, let's actually take a quick break because um, I do want to talk about the upcoming schedule a little bit. And I do have some, some data here that I have an Excel spreadsheet that I think will, will give a, a lot of um, value to you guys and gals while you're, while you're looking over um, looking over what the Gamecocks you know, have accomplished so far, where they can go, and how high they can go in, in the March Madness uh, bracket and seeding. So, Phil, how about a word from our partners? And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Let's make sure. Yeah, I'm unmuted. Um, all right. So i um, always appreciate that word from chicken cock. Um, if you haven't had some yet, make sure you go on um, on chicken on the Chief Sports Network app and go to the chicken cock um, whiskey um, logo. And you can find out where you can get it um, close, close to you. Got to got to love the chicken cock whiskey. And it's it's really fun. Play on, on words there with South Carolina and um, the Gamecocks. But really quick, I do want to talk briefly about the AP poll. Um, there's a website called CollegePollTracker.com that you can go to, and you can actually look at you know where each AP voter voted um, for each team that they voted for the top 25. So um, long story short, um, there are a number of these writers, excuse me, and media members, um, four, four AP voters, and I don't know how this happened. I know how it happened for at least one. But um, Seth Davis, Bruce Pascal, Brian Holland and Bryce Cherry all failed to rank the Gamecocks in their AP ballot this past week. Um, Seth Davis, he, he got it. He got it big time from um, Gamecock fans on social media. And he, he actually, you know, eventually apologized and said it was an oversight. Make sure he'd rank the Gamecocks next week. But when you look at the Gamecocks 15th in the country and you have four AP voters that completely left the Gamecocks off their ballot, uh, it's kind of inexcusable. Um, interesting enough you know the highest the highest um media member that gave the gamecocks you know the highest um, slot in their bracket um, was Dylan sin so we'll give Dylan sin a big shout out he had the gamecocks fifth in his bracket uh David jablonski had the Gamecocks sixth um there were seven folks at the Gamecocks seventh in the country John rothstein who's been a big Gamecock supporter so far this year had the Gamecocks eighth um and then you had a couple eight nine ten, eleven, twelve. 12 um in the predominantly they were ranked these AP voters had the Gamecocks around 13 to we'll call it like 18th in the country. So, um, Dick Vital, he's been big for the Gamecocks on social media, had the Gamecocks at 20th. Um, I hope, I hope Dick V is still the one that's, um, putting out his, his, his media, um, AP ballot, <coughs> excuse me, every single week. But, so the Gamecocks are are, are are looking pretty good right now. I, I want to look at the next three games in particular. Gamecocks have Ole Miss at home tomorrow night, six thirty. I'm pretty sure that they're they're planning for a sellout. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, uh, make sure you do. I was on Vivid Seats earlier today, <clears throat> excuse me, and saw that the Gamecocks were um, still had some tickets in the upper deck um, at reasonable reasonable prices. I think I saw some eleven dollars and thirteen dollars. Um, you know, on up. And then down the lower bowl, I think the cheapest seat that I saw was like 40 or 40 or $45. So, um, if you're around Columbia and you can get there, um, highly recommend that you guys go to the game tomorrow night, but the Gamecocks do play Ole Miss tomorrow. Ole Miss is another team. I think it's like 19 and three or 17 and four so far, um, this season, yeah, 18 and four. Um, and they're five and four in SEC play. Uh, you know, this is a game that, Ole Miss has circled not only because the Gamecocks are you know now ranked 15th in the country, but they actually have South Carolina on the road tomorrow, and then um, they have you know week off Tuesday to Tuesday, and then they go on the road against Kentucky. So Ole Miss is going to need to need to have um, one of these two road wins, and we all know Kentucky's reeling, but you know you're essentially a week away from having to go into Rupp Arena, and Kentucky, you know, I don't know if they can get out of their funk, but. It'd be great for the Gamecocks if they did. Uh, the Gamecocks, have, you know, they beat Kentucky soundly uh, more than anybody else has beat Kentucky this year. But um, just looking at at Miss' schedule, they have Kentucky, then they have Missouri, then they have Mississippi State. So three of their next four games are, are road games. So they, they, they're, they're going to be fired up and, and, and trying to get a win. Uh, if you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm has the Gamecocks projected to win 72 to 67. So always good when – uh, the computer analytics folks um, are, are looking at you and giving you the, the five-point win there. And then uh, Vanderbilt, before Vanderbilt travels to South Carolina Saturday, they will actually um, host Kentucky in Nashville. So uh, Vanderbilt finally got you know their first win in SEC play, beating Missouri 68-61. And we'll talk more about this on, on Thursday or Friday's show, um, the Vanderbilt game. But then you go forward and you look at the Auburn game, on Valentine's, you know, Auburn has a really tough stretch here. I'm um, just going to go ahead and tell you Auburn's next um, five games. They they are home against Alabama. They travel to Florida. They host South Carolina February 14th. Then they host Kentucky on February 17th. And then they um, have to go to Georgia. <laughs> and then after that, <laughs> on February 28th, um, you have Auburn has to travel to um, Tennessee. So We're going to see what Auburn's all about right now. I think Auburn only has one quad one victory. So, you know, don't, don't ever count the Gamecocks out now. I mean, Ken Palm and the metrics didn't have them beating Kentucky or Tennessee. And guess what the Gamecocks did? They went out there and got it done. So I'm really excited for the Gamecocks. You know, I I did want to talk a little bit about the net here. Um, When when you look at the net, South Carolina is currently um, ranked 38th in the net and, I always try and remind folks that, like, don't look at the net as this be-all, end-all. The net really isn't used as a criteria for getting getting into the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be wonky um, going forward because, you know, you can go back and look at since the net came into existence, you know, what is the the lowest rated net team to get in the NCAA tournament? And I think that I've seen like 68 or 70 or something like that but it's all about what you do inside the net, the the quadrant. So quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, but South Carolina is 38th in the net. Um, When you look at the two um, metrics that are, you know, production based, like what have you done on the season? Not like the efficiency numbers and what are you projected to do? Um, KPI and strength of record, South Carolina sits at 15th in KPI and eighth in strength of record. Really, really good numbers. Um, Really, really good numbers. Um, so with the KPI, essentially what they're doing is they're looking at who have you played? What is their strength of schedule? How good are they versus how good you are? And, you know, how many points did you beat them by? So, uh, a KPI score of 15th is really good. And then a strength of record score of number eight is also, um, a really, really good ranking. Um, the committee will look at your, your road, your road record and your neutral site game record. South Carolina is a Sterling eight and two in road and neutral court games this season. Um, when you look at the average net loss, so average net loss just means, okay, if you look at all the losses that a team has so far in a season, what is the average rating ranking of that team that you lost to? Well, South Carolina's is 43. So the Gamecocks have lost three times, but they none of those are bad losses. Uh, even the Georgia loss really isn't that awful of a loss. It's definitely dragging down the, the loss because you know Alabama in the net right now is fifth in the country. Clemson's thirty seventh, and um, you know the Georgia one. I think Georgia's like sixty eight or seventy eight or something. So that's how you get that forty three number. But one of the big things is the Gamecocks are three and two in quad one wins, so they win sixty percent of their quad one opportunities. In quad two, the Gamecocks are perfect four and zero, oh, winning hundred percent of their quad two opportunities. Um, total quad one and quad two wins are seven. They have seven of those wins so far, and that's good for winning 77.8% of their quad one and quad two games so far this season. Uh, the only blemish that the Gamecocks really have is that one loss to Georgia, that's a quad three. But if Georgia can you know stop giving up these late second half leads, um, there's no reason that that Georgia game might not bump back, might bump up to a quad two game, which would be just a little bit better. I mean, it would kind of hurt that, that um, win percentage in quad one and quad two games, but it gets rid of the quad three blemish. Uh, Gamecocks are perfect eight and oh in quad four games. And so I give you all of those numbers just to, just to tell you this really quick. If you look at, you know, the, the teams in the country that have the most quad one and quad two wins, uh, you, you would imagine, you know, it's kind of crazy that Purdue has 15 wins against quad one and quad two opponents. Connecticut has 11, Wisconsin has 10, Tennessee nine, North Carolina nine. So, you know, those those five teams have kind of separated themselves, especially Purdue. And that's why you're going to see Purdue as like if the, if the if the season ended right now, Purdue would be your number one overall national seed, despite being number two in the AP poll. Uh Connecticut would be a one seed. I don't know if Tennessee would be, North Carolina might be. Um Houston probably would be. Um, but yeah, you probably got about I'd say 10 teams in line for a one or two seed right now in college basketball. But I say this to say, if you just, to just to point out, you know, South Carolina right now has seven quad one and quad two wins, but they have a 77.8 win percentage in those games. So if you go to the largest win percentage, again, quad one and quad two opportunities so far this season, Purdue has won 88.2% of their quad one and quad two games Connecticut has won 84.6 of their quad one and quad two games. And then South Carolina, number three in the country in quad one and quad two win percentage at 77.8%. So, and there are a lot of teams there, you know, let's see. There are, how many is that? There are six teams, six teams in the country um, that have won between 70 and 77.8% of their quad one and quad two games. And if you just look at that, that means, you know, you can make the argument for the Gamecocks as a three seed because you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule and the teams that you can play. Uh, it, it gets more and more difficult to, you know, you can't win games that didn't happen, right? But every time the Gamecocks have had the opportunity to, to play a quad one or quad two game, they have the third highest win percentage in the country. Uh, so that's how you're seeing the Gamecocks as a three seed in um, CBS's bracketology. And and Joe Linardi is going to be a little slower than a lot of other folks because, he does like the strength of schedule and he's going to look at South Carolina's strength of schedule and say, well, you know, I can't guarantee you that South Carolina will win 77% of their quad one and quad two games. Uh, he's going to let all this play out and he's going to see where the Gamecocks finish the season. And you know, with seven more opportunities, Joe Lenardi is going to have the opportunity to be right with more information. So that's what he's doing. But if you just looked right now, uh, the Gamecocks have a. You know, I, I completely understand the three seed on CBS sports.com even though I would probably have the Gamecocks in that four to five seed range. I mean, I probably do lean a little bit too on um, strength of schedule. Um, But you look at that eight and two record um, in non-conference let's go. I want to see what's the highest here. So, you know, produce 10 and produce 10 and two in those opportunities, road neutral games, Um, Connecticut's eight and two South Carolina's eight and two Florida Atlantic's nine and three. But there, are, there aren't very many teams that have, have eight eight um, wins on road or neutral side games this year. I mean, just looking through here, there, there might only be five or six teams um, like that in, in the country right now. So you have really, really good numbers for South Carolina when it comes to a bracketology standpoint. And I, I think tomorrow Joe Lenardi will probably come out with his bracketology if he hasn't already. But And bracketmatrix.com is another website you can go to that, that everybody that submits a bracket on the internet that, that's tracked and stuff, you'll see where the Gamecocks average out there. Um, looking at these computer numbers again, really quick. Um, Gamecocks are projected to be an eight seed, according to Bart Torvik. Um, but, you know, Bart Torvik, if you asked him yourself, he'd probably say the Gamecocks are probably in that five to six range of things stand right now, but the computer metrics oftentimes are predictive in nature. So He has the Gamecocks, I'll go ahead and tell you. He has the Gamecocks winning one, two, three, four more games the rest of the way. So he has them going four and five. Um, If the Gamecocks go four and five, that that might be, you know, a seven, eight, nine seed. Um, But he's been wrong at least three times so far this season on on what he predicted. Um, His computer predicted, I should say. So a lot to be excited about for South Carolina. I I think that the Gamecocks are going to continue to, you know, just fight and claw their way to more and more victories in the SEC. Definite opportunity for an SEC championship. Lamont Paris is the runaway leader for SEC coach of the year. Very, very likely national coach of the year as well. Gamecocks take care of business with these two, two games at home this week, get to 21 and three. Gamecocks will probably, go you know, move into that, you know, top 12, top 10 range in the, in the media polls. Um, and then a big, big opportunity at Auburn and, you know, we talked about Auburn only having one quad win, um, quad one win on the season. And I just want to pull up Auburn's numbers really quick so we can talk about that game because that's a big game that Gamecock fans will, will have circled. But yeah, Auburn is one in three in quad one opportunities and five and one in quad two opportunities. So Auburn actually has less wins against quad one and quad two than South Carolina does, despite being higher in the in the net um rating system. So Gamecocks have a big opportunity here. Three of their last four, or three of their next four are at home. Um, three of their next five are at home, and then you have um, two more home games in, in March, Florida and, and Tennessee. Those are seed line games. Those are big games, and South Carolina's not going anywhere. Um, you know, Just for all the folks that get a little worried, <laughs> I'm still not drinking the Kool-Aid yet on the Gamecocks, uh, Bart Torvik has the Gamecocks with a 94% um odds, 94% odds to make the NCAA tournament. So um, it would be, it'd be unthinkable, unthinkable for the Gamecocks to, to miss out on the tournament. And then they will probably be a pretty high seed. And, you know, we all know that the Gamecocks have the opportunity to potentially go to Greenville in first and second, or is it Greenville this year? I can't remember where it, no, Charlotte, it's in Charlotte. Uh, first and second row games are in Charlotte this year. And if the Gamecocks get a high enough seed, if they get in that top four, Um, seed range they'll have an opportunity to stay really close to home and and they still could um, they're not a top four seed but just uh, i'm fired up for it it's been so much fun to cover Uh, i cannot wait i'll be at the game um, tomorrow night i'll be at the vanderbilt game i'll be at the lsu game i I won't be able to go to the florida game i got i got a family wedding so i'll miss that game but um if you if you get a chance just go out to clonal life arena it's it's electric right now and get there early the game tomorrow is at 6 30. Uh, 6 6:30 p.m. You're gonna have some traffic. Um, you know, getting to the arena. Uh, when I was at the game against uh, who was it, Missouri, um, I got there about 45 minutes ahead of time, and and some lots were already closing. I had to park on Pul- Pulowski and and get a meter. So, you know, if you gotta go, to, if you gotta go to work tomorrow, um, try and get there a little bit earlier than than you normally would because you're gonna have to find some parking. But get out there, get loud. It's a whiteout. Make sure you're wearing um all white. Um, uh, if you can i don't know if you got to wear white pants but you know wear a white shirt um and um we'll just have we'll have a good time if, if if you see me at the game come up and speak to me i I love talking sports and i love talking gamecocks with all of you um uh, so i'll be there probably be, be wearing this hat looks like this in the front <laughs> so um come find me if you if you see me tomorrow i'd be happy to talk with you um so go gamecocks i know we we, we only talked about men's basketball tonight and it's kind of weird lady gamecocks or, or the women's team, I should say, is number one in the country. And, you know, we're just so accustomed to the to the, um, the women's team being number one in the country. So we all, we kind of take it for granted, but baseball season will be here before you know it. I think, um, what is it? February 16th is opening day. Uh, if you can get to that game, please do. They're going to do something very, very special for Tommy Moody before first pitch. So um, Tommy Moody, obviously just a Gamecock legend and Nobody loved the Gamecocks as much as Tommy Moody did. I'll, I'll put it that way. So get out there and, and get there for Opening Day. You know, it'll be a lot of fun. I think you'll have the opportunity to go to Opening Day, and then you know the next day the Gamecocks will host LSU at home in basketball, and you'll have some more baseball on Saturday, and more baseball on Sunday. So um, make it a make it a big big weekend. I think that um, the Florida home series too. Uh, there, that's that's the uh, the Florida home basketball game is the Clemson baseball series. So you have a chance to go. Watch um, two two teams participate: um, men's basketball and men's um, basket men's basketball and men's baseball. So, um, really, really hope that you're enjoying this ride. I see Todd Todd Gwynn down here says that he he's enjoying the ride. Go Gamecocks! Uh, Jayd says CLA will be crazy. So happy for all the fans and the players. This will be a special time for South Carolina B-ball. Oh gosh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, Kayshawn says I think we have a chance to beat Auburn. I, I agree. I you know. South Carolina can beat anybody in the country. Anybody, uh, just put it put it that way. Uh, Jesse Carter says fans and Frank McGuire with point guard John Roach before your time. I'm guessing, yeah, before my time. I'm only thirty five. Um, oh, I'm thirty five. It's kind of old nowadays, but um, I try to be a young thirty five. So before my day, you know, my when I was seven, eight, nine years old, that was the the BJ Mackey and and Larry Davis and Melvin Watson and Ryan Stack and Antonio Grant and Herbert Lee Davis and and um, Nate Wilborn and George Formanichek, that's when I fell in love with with Gamecock basketball. So I know all the old timers I talk to say, you know, you had, um, what, South Carolina was the the basketball capital of the East and UCLA was the basketball capital of the West. And that was during the Frank McGuire and John Roach days. You know, I still hear stories of if, you know, John Roach hadn't got hurt that year, that the Gamecocks would have won it all and had a national championship. And so – hate that, hate that, that that season ended that way. But y'all thank y'all so much for joining me tonight. Uh, like I say, every show, um, when you join me, you guys in Dallas, you give me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. It it never goes underappreciated. And, and I, I, I'm very aware of what you, what you all give me. So I thank you so much. And, um, tomorrow night, CLA, CLA will be rocking. So I hope to see y'all there. But with that being said, let's call it a night, Um, go get some rest and get ready to cheer tomorrow for the Gamecocks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.